Lace up your boots and grab your mouth guards. It's time for the Rugby Wrap, the podcast about all things Western Force and the game we love. Well, hello, everyone. It's Heath Tessman here from the get-go tonight. Joining me, as always, is former Wallaby, Mitch Hardy. Mitch, good to have you on here. And Heath, great to see you taking the lead tonight. It's lovely to be here on another episode of the Rugby Wrap. The season, Super Rugby season, has ended and we're now getting towards Wallaby mode. So we've got a very special guest tonight, haven't we, Heath? We sure do, and it's none other than our third man, the host of this podcast, Mick Collis. Oh, Tess, what, what, a, what an honour. What an honour it is to be here. I've been wanting to be on this podcast for a couple of years now, so it's really, um, really true. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it's, it's been difficult for us to get you on recently since, <laughs> since COVID's letting up. You've got right. all your speaking gigs back. You're all over the place. Oh, yeah, they've all been cancelled this week. I've had about <laughs> five cancelled. And it works out for all of the listeners <laughs> here tonight. Exactly. Yeah. So we're in for a treat tonight, Heath. We've got a bit of Mick Collis gold coming to our listeners' way. So we're going to have a, a bit of a Q&A with Mick, learn a little bit about his journey. You could even find it on Wikipedia if you really wanted to, but we're going to do an in-depth dive into Mick Collis' psyche tonight, listeners. Um, and then we'll obviously follow on with a bit of rugby banter. So open us up, Heath. Where are we going to start with young Mick? Well, we start at the beginning, don't we, Mitch? And... Um... My question is for you, young Mick, as we, yep. as we look back, what were your early boyhood dreams when you were growing up? So we're going straight into that. Well, for, I, was, I grew up in Sydney. <laughs> I grew up in Sydney, Wentworthville, which is the very western suburbs. Then I moved to Meadowbank. Then I moved to sort of the West Ride area and um, started playing my rugby at, at Eastwood. But, but my dream, Heath, funny you should ask that, because when I was young, I had a dream to one day wear the golden green, a member of our Wallaby team playing for Australia, to walk onto the SCG, 40,000 cheering me, heart rate beating frantically, playing for Australia. National anthem, tear-filled eyes, emotions that I can't disguise, my first test cap at treasured prize, playing for Australia. Score the try that wins the game, teammates shouting out my name, a thrill I simply can't explain, playing for Australia. Cold beer in the dressing shed, a million thoughts run through my head. Wouldn't care if I dropped dead, I'd played for Australia. To be one of the chosen few, to say I've made my test debut. There's nothing that I wouldn't do to represent Australia. And that's the truth because it seems I finally made a national team, chased and caught the elusive dream of playing for Australia. Though it's not rugby, that is true. The game is known as Sudoku. Not what I'd hoped, but it'll do. I've played for Australia. So to cut a long story short, so from zero to 42, the dream was to play for Australia and ended up playing Australia in Sudoku. So that basically wraps up the show because we've covered <laughs> we've covered everything. And we'll let Mitchie talk away here while he's muted yeah, on Mitch, his end. <laughs> Mitch is muted. But that's beautiful. That's there inspirational is, is, is stuff. Oh, what, what, were you, what did you have to say there, Mitchie? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, he's, uh, Mickey's rubbed shoulders with some greats over the years, though, even though he's never able to aspire to those uh, the greats on the rugby field. But... Um, some of the some of the guys you rub shoulders with, in particular Eastwood, in the early days there, Mickey, who were the types of guys that you used to kick around with? Yeah, so I mean, I went there as a I played on my juniors and my Colts, and then and then graded Eastwood, and I played um, so I played Colts with with Dick Harry. He was a flanker at the time and a lot skinnier than he ended up being. And there was an award at Eastwood called the Brian Palmer Shield for the most outstanding Colt, and I won that award in 1986. Dick Harry was runner up. And only one of us, <laughs> only one of us, was ever heard from again on the rugby paddock. But so Dick, so yeah, but he was just you know, was just a, a young kid at the time. And then I, I always used to love it because you know, back it was the old days where you'd go and watch um, the rugby test on the weekend on the Saturday, and then you'd go back to TG Milner on the Sunday, and you'd see you know Steve Tymon and Brett Papworth and all these guys running around. So probably my first hero, I reckon, at, at Eastwood would have been Mick Mathers, the old second rower. Played a couple of tests back in the the late. Sort of, or very early 80s, I think it would have been. And then um, I remember going up to pre-season training and I was doing the, because I, I had a pretty good training ethic. And um, and then Marty Roebuck ended up moving down from Bathurst and moved in with my family. So he lived with me or our family for sort of three three years or something rather. So I used to do all the pre-season training with him. And I remember going up to pre-season training at Eastwood and I was doing um, some drills with Steve Tymon. And for a, for a young kid, and at the moment, at, at the time, Tymon was in the Wallaby side, and for a young kid to be able to do pre-season training with Steve Tymon was such a um, – it was an enormous thrill. And that's what it, one of my bugbears about professional rugby today is that 
these guys have got no engagement with with the the grassroots of the game. And back in those days, days, I know there was no money involved. It's a completely different beast. But in terms of that engagement, that connection I had with those players, by being able to see them every Tuesday and Thursday night at training, um, I think that was fantastic. And that, for me, was when the game was at its, at its very strongest, just because there was that connection. And, and, so, and my- you know, guys like Brett Papworth, watching Pappy run around, oh, just how good. W- what he could do on a field, you just used to shake your head at that, thinking, my God, that guy. And he used to step off two feet. He was just... He was just phenomenal. He was just a just a great guy, and you know, had the pleasure of just you know sitting on the sideline each weekend and watching him play. It was great. Is that because you played third grade? Yeah, <laughs> I used to get there really early. <laughs> it was good. I got a got a good seat. I had a great seat. And did you ever attempt to throw Marty Roebuck a few Gary Owens, mate? Like, what was he under? What was he like under the Mick Collis highball? It was funny because so, and again, yeah, this was back in a time where like he, he was studying. We were both studying when we were living together, and um, and we we used to do the we'd train every day, and uh, even even though it was only Tuesday and Thursday. And again, you know, I, I trained just as I trained with Marty every single day. He wanted to play for the Wallabies, and I was playing fourth grade. So I, you know, I'd always just miss the boat by a little bit. But we used to go. He'd say to me, "Can we go up to T.G. Milner for a kick?" So I used to go up and kick with him, and he could send this thing sixty meters, and I could send it twenty with a tailwind. So I used to do a lot of time. I'd kick it, then I'd run and kick it again to him. And then he'd kick two it back. Kicks. I'd go back two and get one. it. I'd do two and <laughs> kick it in. So he was a very patient man because I, I never used to put it on the spot for him. But it was, um, but it, yeah, it was good fun. It was really good fun. So then, Mickey, you, 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 you then went on the journey across the Nullarbor. Um, t- tell us a little about the journey across the Nullarbor and how did you end up at UWA Rugby? Well, so I was playing uh, Colts at Eastwood and a guy called Alan Morton, who is an ex-Ramwick um, winger, played for the Wallabies, I think, sort of 57, 58. Really, really good winger, Mitch. I'm sure you would have known him, or known of Alan He's, Morton. He is a terrific bloke. Terrific yeah, guy. a great fella. And so he was there uh, working for Human Movement. He was a professor at Human Movement here at UWA. And there was three of us over there playing rugby that had studied phys ed. And Mortz had come across for a year on sabbatical. And I was playing rugby with his son, Pete. And Mortz was always kind of on the lookout for guys to come and play rugby in Perth. So he just said to the three of us, what are you doing when you finish your study? I said, nothing. And he said, why don't you come to Perth, get your degree and play some rugby for UWA? So we thought that'd be good fun. So we just loaded up the HQ. No, actually we jumped on a, a train, got the train across. And it was, I remember it was sit-up class. So we had sat up upright for basically three days straight. And it was uh, in a smoking cabin. So it was just, it was full of smoke in the old days. We good slept, for health. Good we for slept back, up in good the, for your yeah, well, it was horrible. We slept up in the luggage racks because there was nowhere else to sleep and um, came across and, and studied and um, sort of just lived and worked and played rugby in Perth. And I remember we had our first game down at Riley Oval, which was down at UWA and coming from, you know, TG Milner was, it was a great ground, but it, it wasn't um, like the, the scenery wasn't fantastic around it. And all of a sudden I'm down at Riley Oval and they've got these beautiful old buildings at the university, these beautiful trees that ran down the touchline. And if, if you kick the ball into touch and it hit the leaves, whether the ball went out on into touch or not, it didn't matter. If it hit the leaves, that was, that was out. That was just one of the old uni rules. And then we went across the boat shed because they didn't have a uh, rugby club. So we went to the boat shed and I remember having a beer on the boat shed and the sun was sitting, the Swan River was just a sheet of glass. I had the city on my left. I had Royal Perth Yacht Club on the right. And it was not long after the whole America's Cup kind of thing and all these things I'd seen on TV. So I thought, this is pretty nice. Then the next weekend, we played down at Cottesloe. And I sat there having a beer as the sun was setting. And there was a ski paddler just paddling along behind those pine trees. And I thought, if this is playing rugby, I'm pretty happy with it. So I, I sort of fell in love with the joint pretty quickly. Went back to Sydney when I finished my study for a year and then came back with a mate, drove a Kingswood wagon across with a mate. And um, then I met my wife at the pool and I'm still here. So it was just one of those. I, I had no intention of coming across. It was just Mort's. It was one of those sliding door moments that Mort's just said, come across. And I sort of said, yep, no worries. And, and it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. Never looked back. Wow. And you, and you mentioned your lovely wife there, Mickey, Shaz. Yes. We all, we all know Shaz is a little bit of a high achiever. Compared to yourself, um, as she likes to remind me, yeah, yeah. How'd you go? Like, was there anything there that triggered the the whole relationship between being married to a high achiever like Shaz, being a, um, a world champion water polo player, and and playing rugby? Is there anything there that sort of triggers that whole 
being allowed to go off and play rugby? Well, it, it is it is a, an interesting thing because a lot of blokes, and, and Mitch, I think you know Trish certainly is um, an absolute stalwart of that. These there's a lot of very nice wives around the place that put up with a fair bit of um, I don't know what the word is, but they put up with some with some blokes who do enjoy their rugby and spend a fair bit of time sort of um, hanging out with their mates. And, and every now and then, the guys they do like to to take stock and and show their wives that they appreciate it. And I had a mate of mine who was in a similar situation to to all of us that had a a nice wife, and and he's he's actually caught it. Or he's caught him. He's caught his reflection in the mirror one day, and it made him think: How the hell could a bloke like him end up? with his wife. So he ended up, he wrote her a letter and he just started off. He wrote, dear Dale, I have to race to rugby, but I thought before I go, I'd put some pen to paper because there's something you should know. It's something that I should have told you long before today. It's something that I shouldn't find so difficult to say. Because fair income, how hard is it to tell you how I feel? To say, I think you're awesome. And I think that you're unreal. To say a simple thank you for the many things you do. To look you in the eye and just say, honey, I love you. For who else in this world would choose to spend their life with me? Your mother thinks you're foolish, and at times I must agree. You're thoughtful, kind and patient, and you're honest and sincere. And next to sharks, the thought of losing you is my biggest fear. You didn't bat an eyelid when I bought a new TV and sat there channel surfing Foxport 1, 2 and 3. And just the other night when I had trouble with my car, you read my mind and chucked a tape into the VCR. You always keep our fridge well stocked. It's always full of beer. Forgive me when I miss our anniversary every year. Respect the fact that I refuse to wax my body hair and somehow get the skid marks out of all my underwear. You smiled when I removed our wedding photos from their frame, replacing them with shots from when we won our first home game. You don't mind when I stay out watching rugby with my mates. You don't say that I'm fat, just cuddly when I put on weight. And who but you would gladly kiss my cauliflower ears and tell me that they're nowhere near as bad as they appear? And who but you would rub my back each time I take a bath and when you see me naked, somehow stop the urge to laugh? You're always there supporting me at every rugby match. I come home drunk, get into bed and burp and fart and scratch. And when I ask for sex, you ever so politely say, thank you for the offer, darling, but no, not today. And on those rare occasions when the planets are aligned, you'd let me do the one thing that is always on my mind. And 60 seconds later, when I'm snoring like a train, you're right to pray that I don't wake to ask for it again. So, honey, there are a few things that I wanted you to know. But time is getting on, so I had really better go. I'll watch the game and have some drinks, though that is nothing new. But, Dale, tonight, the first bit that I crack will be for you. Love me. And I think that's, that's kept him married, that one, I think. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, that, Mick. Oh, it brings a tear to your eye, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> What I'm just struggling to understand, what we talk about Shazza being a high achiever, what yep. about the, the uh, table tennis competition you guys had last year? Yeah, so when we went into lockdown, we thought we'd, we got a table tennis table in our um, in the front room of the house. I don't know what the room is called, the table tennis table. Went to lockdown, we were quite bored, so we thought we'd play a game of table tennis first to 21,000. So we started off at a rate of knots. I reckon we were probably doing probably about – an hour to two hours a day. So pulling about 300 points a day. And then that, that boredom set in very, very quickly. And we've ended up, she's on 20,999. I'm about 700 points behind. So I refuse to play the last point because that way I'm never officially beaten. <laughs> but surely your game got better. Or did no, it, didn't. Get- it didn't. Because you play the same person and you don't get any better. It you didn't identify. You didn't identify Shaz's weaknesses. Is no, that what you're saying? She used to bore me. To, she would bore me into playing dumb shots. Like she would just stand there and she would just hit the same shot. Just, just oh. tap it back, tap it back, tap it back. Just a wall. Get, She's just yeah, a wall, isn't she? And I'd get frustrated and smash it and lose a point, and then she'd just tap it back, tap it back. So no, no. We'd, I think I got a bit more confident in terms of the shot selection, but I don't think I actually got any better. It's quite bizarre. It was good fun. Killed. You know, that time when we were all in lockdown, it gave us something to do. Yeah, it was good. It was good to follow on Instagram too, Mickey. With yeah. the score updates over COVID. Yeah. Gave, us, gave us all something to do. Yeah. I was hanging out for it every day. Yeah. All right. So where, where are we going to now? We're going to the uni days. So favourite UWA player, Mickey, have you, got, have you got a guy that really caught your eye over the many years of playing many, many games at uni? How many games did you get up at UWA Rugby? I think I... I I hit, You're a centurion. I hit, I'm a centurion, so I've hit over 100, so 100 and, 100 and something. Yeah. 
hundred yeah. something. But it was, you know, again, there's, there was some great, when I first got there, there was some really, I mean, uni, uni in the old days was very much a, um, it was a classic uni club where you, you'd only have, you know, half a dozen guys turn up to training. Um, it was on the nights when, when Melrose Place and 902-10 were on on the Tuesday night. And we'd want the coach to knock off at 7.30 so we could get home and, and watch TV to watch those two shows. So it was just, it was very funny times. But I played, you know, guys like Mark Skiffington. Skiffo was a very good player. Colin McCogg, Hoghill, who's still, we ran around for a long time down there. Guys both played for the state. Hamish Sutherland, who um, played for Union, for, played for WA against the All Blacks. He was a, a great player. Uh, it was great to watch guys like Dickie Hardwick running around and then see them going to play for the Wallabies. Um, but but one guy who who really impressed me was a, is a bit of a punter. I think he would have played maybe some Perth Gold back in the day when it was um, whatever the WA team changed its name yep. to in the, yep. in the in the mid nineties or early two thousands. And his name was Jaden Wallace, and his his nickname was Warney. And I don't know why his nickname was Warney. Short, uh, fat, and blonde, wasn't he? Is that what? <laughs> that, that could be it. That could be it. And so he, I mean, every every club's got a guy like Warney, and you know it. And I've had a long career, but I consider myself lucky, maybe even blessed. I've had a long career and have very few regrets. And I know you mightn't understand and might think this sounds corny, but my undisputed highlight was to take the field with Warney. To be there in the same 15, it gave me such a thrill to see firsthand his talent and to marvel at his skill, to watch him orchestrate a move with precision and with poise and put a player through a gap as one of life's great joys. To hear his words of wisdom, hear him motivate his team, no wonder he's the one the parents bring their kids to see. The way he ghosts through holes, the way he dominates the game, puts guys like Stephen Larkham and the other greats to shame. To watch him throw a pass is just like watching Ricky Stewart. You need a piece of magic, he's the one who'll do it. His elusiveness with ball in hand reminds me of Campisi. When normal players struggle, Warney makes it look so easy. I love playing with Warney, to hear the crowd applaud, to pat him on the back and say, mate, well done when he scored. To shake his hand at full time when the final whistle blows is a very simple pleasure and one I'm glad I know. And now that I've retired, I'm happy to concede that playing with the great one was the pinnacle for me. So on my tombstone, it will read, here lies Michael Collis, rugby playing teammate and fan of Jaden Wallace. So that was Warney, one of the one of the all-time legends from down at UWA. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Warney was a great guy and still, still be down there on the hill every now and again watching the boys go around. And we all know a Warney, don't we, Mick? That's uh, one of the guys, soul of the earth. And, and Heath, you probably know a few Warnies in your day, especially Dave at the uh, the heavies there, mate. The guy that was the unsung hero, but everyone loved to watch play and probably could have gone to bigger things, hey? Oh, they were, they were a dime a dozen over there at the heavies, mate. That's why they won so many premierships. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Just good salt of the earth, man. <laughs> and then we move on to the Western Force days, Mickey. So 2005, when the Western Force finally got announced, um, was a great great occasion for WA rugby. Yeah, uh, and one that you were front and centre. What's your What's your memories of that uh, those early days in 2005, and then and then moving through to the thing that was that destroyed WA rugby in the short term. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was just amazing. There was there was so much, you know. I mean, as a, as a rugby fan coming across to Perth, and you know, rugby wasn't the, um, you know, wasn't the number one sport over here. But there was always there's always been a strong rugby base over here, and and there was so much excitement when the Western Force were sort of nominated to 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 make Super Rugby. And, and I remember I was sitting there on, in the morning at work, and Steve Boyle, who um, some of the listeners will know, he rang me up and he said, "Oh, mate, we didn't get it." And I was I was absolutely gutted because I was I was so disappointed that we that we didn't, and I saw so I was sitting there all depressed at work, and then he's rang me back up and he said one of his mates at work had stitched him up, and the Western we did get it. The West Perth had the the West, the team in the uh, in Super Rugby, so it was really it was exciting and it was great to see you know guys like Jeff Stu who'd, who'd been involved with rugby for so long over here and, and the work that they'd done just um just the the excitement on everyone's face and then just watching the whole thing come together. Um, or, you know, the players coming across and then, you know, you came across it and meeting, you know, guys like you and a whole new uh, influx of, of rugby fans and players coming to Perth and then the support that that brought. It was just a really, a really exciting time. And, you know, the media got involved. So 6PR became the official station and um, started calling the games, which is, Mitch, where you kind of hooked into that as well. So it was, um, 
it was just a really, it was an exciting time to be a rugby fan in Perth. It was great. And then, you know, we had the World Cup here in, uh, what was that, 03? I think we had a few games. Yeah. So that kind of, that that really sparked it. And then to get the Western Force here in 06 was just, um, it was a great time, great time for rugby in Perth. And what about um, then what, when the Western Force got cut, Mick? How did you feel about that? Well, that was, that was something that I felt quite strongly about and I, I sat down quite annoyed with that and obviously we're out of it now but at the time I wrote that I'm angry sad and disillusioned all in equal parts I'm one of many thousands left with badly broken hearts I'm disappointed frustrated and feel like I could cry my team has gone and still the question that I ask is why we love them like no fans have ever loved their team before we love them unconditionally win lose or draw we stayed until the final siren never walked away Nothing made us happier than watching our team play. And the benefits were flowing down and clear for all to see. The grassroots, grassroots game was growing, which in rugby is the key. Record junior numbers and a heap of volunteers, a senior competition that got stronger every year. Female players on the rise, a huge supporter base, coaching and development programs all firmly in place. And player pathways meant our kids were realising their dream, more locals in the Wallabies than Australia's cricket team. But it's clear the work and effort made to love and grow the game sadly counts for nothing, which to me is such a shame. A short-sighted decision by an East Coast-centric board, a $50 million offer blatantly ignored. I'm sorry, but their spreadsheet and their reasons don't suffice. They're the ones who stuffed it up, but we're paying the price. They tell us that the cost and the finances are to blame. They've never even been across to watch a single game. Mismanagement, incompetence, call it what you will. Ask me in another year and I'll be angry still. They haven't got a clue about the damage that they've done. I'm staggered and disgusted and I'm not the only one. I feel for all the players, all the staff and all the fans, supporters who have been there since the Western Force began. I feel for all the kids whose goal can no longer come true to run out for the Western Force cheered by the sea of blue. Don't tell me to get over it. Don't tell me to move on. Your whole decision process was to me a massive con. Your clear lack of transparency was a show of disrespect to the very people you were all elected to protect. So while you watch the rugby from your fancy corporate suite, construction of the tombstone will be just about complete. Here lies rugby union, the game they play in heaven, died in Western Australia, Friday, August 11. So that was my, I was very angry when that decision came you down. Were, you were very upset that yeah, day, weren't you? Yeah, it was really, it just, yeah, that really shit me. But it's, you know, it's fantastic to have the Western Force back and, you know, you can just see, you know, in the last two years, just the difference that it's made in the rugby community again. There's there's life back in rugby in WA, which is great. There is. And the people have been coming out to watch the community game in droves and, and I'm sure they would have been behind the girls when they played today. And certainly the Force have quitted themselves pretty well this year, Heath. Yeah, they have. I mean, they ended up one of the highest or second highest um, Aussie team in the Trans-Tasman competition, which is, yeah, it's something to hang your hat on. They, they, they've stepped up a level from uh, uh, from a placing from the Aussie the Aussie series anyway. So coming in third there, their best result ever, going to a finals of a super competition. And then being able to come in and, and finish as the second best team as well. You know, that's there's, there's that improvement there. I think they've... Um, they're on the right trajectory. Trajectory. It'll be interesting to see with some of the signings, players that will be leaving. Um, we've just seen announced Marcel Brashy and Chris Heiberg both leaving. The oh, force getting, this week. You're, you're digging into the mailbag, Tess. <laughs> Should we go to the, <laughs> digging into the mailbag? Should we segue to the mailbag? What do you mean? Have go? you got a poem for right. yet? No, we go to the mailbag. <laughs> we go to the mailbag. People are sick of me. So the we mailbag. Might, we are, we are going to go to Mick's mailbag and we'll come back for a final poem right at the end, I think, Mickey, when you talk about your favourite holiday des- destination, right. Rottenness <laughs> Island. But that might culminate in how this episode rounds out anyway. Um, <laughs> so, Mick's mailbag, let's the, go. The mailbag. Stay with you, Mick. So, uh, there was a game last weekend. The Blues beat the Highlanders 23-15 in the All New Zealand final of the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman competition. Best team win, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Give me some of that Hoskins Satutu as well. That man is a beast. He would be one of, he's about one of my first picked in any team around the world right now. Big athletic number eight with all that skill. And he does the tough stuff too. Love it. Nice. Yeah. And the, and the Hollanders stuck with them too, though, Mickey. They, they had their chances, but they just couldn't crack them 
um, with the tries, you know, being able to get those uh, the ball across the white chalk, mate, for a try. Um, you know, Mark Talia, the opening try scorer, that looked pretty easy. But they're, you know, right down to the wire. Blake Gibson scoring a try in the 76th minute. Um, Mitch Hunt had a good day with a boot. But, yeah, the Blues are just too strong. Uh, I thought the Highlanders, they did everything possible to win it. Um, but they just weren't able to crack them. And then the Blues were just relentless. And um, they were the form team of the whole Trans-Tasman. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. I, d- I did love how the refs put away the um, the cards a little bit. No like cards. Ash Dixon's hit. Yeah. That's a that's a red card every other week this year. But fortunately, they didn't yeah. let it get to to spoil the final. And I've never praised the the third referee or the referee up in the box before. But his decision with, I think it was, was it Narecki on the bump? And when they hit the guy in the yep. air, yeah, right decision entirely. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of Very common happy. sense. There was a lot of common sense around the officiating, wasn't there? <laughs> It's, it was a strange thing to see. Funny how that happens in the last game where it doesn't matter yeah. what happens the week after. They finally get it right. And then yeah. so so with next year's comp now, so it was meant to be this decision was meant to be made by the end of June. So we're running very close to time on that one. Um, so Channel 9 and Stan Sport, who are Rugby Australia's new broadcast partners, they're very keen on Australian-only matches in 2022. Apparently ratings were, I think it was 400,000 for the AU final, only 70,000 for the Trans-Tasman final. The Kiwis want a united Trans-Tasman competition uh, between the five Australian and five Kiwi teams, plus two potential inclusions, possibly uh, Fiji and and, uh, Pacifica, playing a conference model where the top two or three from each conference then will play um, separate semifinals and then a final. But under that model, Rugby Australia, they, they're pushing for an Australian-only semi-final plus a guaranteed team in the final, which I don't think the Kiwis will want. So can can you – and it's a bit of crystal ball stuff, but what do you think will happen next year? Not what you would like to see, but what do you think they'll end up doing? I think they'll go with a, a, a consolidated competition uh, where everyone plays everyone once and they'll play top four. Okay. Because I know, yeah, because like nine and Stan Sport don't want that, and money, no. money talks. But that, yeah, I know what you, what you say, but I think they've got to avoid the conference thing at all costs, Mickey, because it, it, you can't have this cross-play thing going on. You either have the Super Rugby AU and the Super Rugby ATRA, and then do the Trans Tasmania thing again, and that's the model. Mm-hmm. Or it's everyone's in the same comp, everyone plays everyone once, top four. It's there's no other model. There is no other model that's mm. going to work, that punters are going to be satisfied with. If they start tinkering around, oh, Australia's got to have one, a guaranteed... I know, that'll be a final. disaster. It, yeah. It's just yeah. going back to what it was, was before. What where started ruining just go, Super what? Rugby in the first place. Yeah, so, yep. so, and, it's, and they've got to be careful. The tail's not wagging the dog here. There's got to be integrity around the competition and there's got to be a competition that people engage with and understand and support Yes, from a spectator, viewer, bums on seat standpoint. And the players have got to enjoy it as well. They've got players have got to understand what they're playing for. Mm. Um, and that'll bring out their best. And it's either an all-in competition or stick with the model that's current. Because as we see, the Super Rugby AU, thing, that, that's got plenty of support. It's got the viewers. It's got the punters. It's got the people going to the games. But you can't avoid the fact that, especially over here in the West, that when a Kiwi team plays the Western Force, people turn up to watch that stuff. Yeah, yeah. They, they aren't necessarily couldn't give two hoots about the Western Force playing the Waratahs unless, you know, we're guaranteed a win, which we mm. are at this stage. Mm. But but they love coming to watch the Kiwi teams play. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. okay, it doesn't get the viewers that they want. But, there's, geez, it gets the bums on seats. Yeah. So it's, so it's going to be interesting to see how that where that ends up because, again, they've got to make a decision fairly soon because yeah, they just need to get models. things. There's got two to get models in my view. They've got, to, they've got to keep it keep it simple, keep it simple, and make it work and promote the hell out of it. Mm. And then still on Super Rugby, the Super W has kicked off this week, and today Thursday, uh, the Western Force went out to a ten 0 lead early, uh, but President's fifteen fought back was ten five at the break, and the game finished with a seventeen all draw. So I think the Force would be disappointed from what I saw. They came out pretty early and couldn't finish it, and now they've got to back up and play against the Waratahs on Saturday. And then their poor things have got to go into quarantine when they come back. And as Beth Beck Clough was saying, that they've had to take time off work to actually go away. And now they've got to add another two weeks to that. So hopefully Rugby Australia will get the home and away back next year because that makes it really tough for those girls that went across before everything went to custard in 
the East Coast. But Mitch, you saw the game? Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed the game today. It was an absolute cliffhanger. Right went right down the wire. Western Force had a number number of opportunities to win it, right down to um, a shot for penalty from Tui Kopi. Um, about 30 metres out right in front with a couple of minutes to go and the, the shot just went a little bit to the right uh, of the post. But um, also the clash of the number sevens for me today was absolutely outstanding. Um, the Western Forces, Annika Stevens versus Hannah Lane from the President's 15 was a cracker. It was, it was, it was terrific to watch. The technique at the breakdown, the turnovers, the tackle tech, um, was just outstanding. Watching these two sevens go at it for a full 80 minutes was um, a pleasure to watch. Um, and it was really hard to pick who was the better player on the day. But I think my points would have probably gone to Hannah Lane from the President's 15. She really did keep her team in the game. Um, there was a couple of really nice tries too from Jemima McCalman um, from the President's 15. Um, she scored two tries in the second half. Trilene Pomari had a really strong game uh, as the captain for the Western Force. Yeah, she's good. And and a real eye-opener was Ariana Hira, the number 12 for the Western Force, yep. including a, a try that she's just absolutely did of an absolute beautiful piece of work right in front of the sticks to put her teammate under the sticks for a try. Um, and she had a really strong game as well. So it was. A, I thought it was a really good performance from the Western Force. They probably... Ran at a puff in that sort of middle middle to third 20-minute stanza just after halftime. They struggled a bit but tried to come home with a bit of a wet sail. But certainly their first half was really, mm. really good. Their forward pack in particular, their set piece um, was outstanding. And I thought Shian Carney, the number two, who's the hooker for the Western Force, also was really, really impressive, Heath. Like um, her line-out throws were good. Her work rate around the paddock was good. And... I'm not a big fan of scrummaging, as you know, but, geez, the Western Force girls' scrum, they were good. It was like Heath Tessman been coaching them. <laughs> it's more like Heath Tessman staying away from them. <laughs> That's good what, do we think? what do we think of that whole, the whole competition? The Tars, that Waratahs team, they've got to look like favourites. Yeah, they're big win against first the Reds. Game, what was it, 47? They got up by about 20 yeah. points against Queensland. Because yeah, that was they a big outcome. They haven't, they haven't dropped a game in the, in the history of the competition. Who? The Reds? New South Wales. It's us. New South Wales. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. Well, the Reds were right. pretty strong, I thought, last year. Um, but, yeah, the Waratahs. And they, they'd have a number of uh, New South Wales players in that present 15 as well. And um, someone was telling me the Sydney University rugby club have got two women's team at the moment, and both of them are going absolutely gangbusters at really? the moment in the local comp. Wow. Um, but look out for the Brumbies, my, my Brumbies, the female um, team down there. Um, 30 to 5 over the Melbourne Rebels and it was lovely to see that the um, the girls were all all awarded their super rugby caps. Yeah, I thought that was a great move by the Brumbies to do that. Yeah, yeah just formalising that process and, and really acknowledging that achievement which was really nice to see. 30 points to 5 over the Rebels. Um, so yeah, so the, the girls have to go at it again on Sunday. They get a three-day turnaround at the tournament in Coffs Harbour. Yep. Um, games right across Sunday. There's, there's three games right across the day, back-to-backs from 9 o'clock in the morning all the way through. So um, games this week, Mick, Brumbies versus the President's 15. That'll that'll be interesting to see if the Brumbies are the real deal. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rebels versus the Queensland Reds. I reckon the, the Queensland Reds um, ladies will be looking to bounce back against the Rebels. Um, and what a great... Great game this is going to be. The New South Wales Waratahs coming up against the Western Force. Team. So that's going to be the highlight of the day on Sunday. So don't miss that one, punters. That should be an absolute cracker. Yeah, that's great. And then so with just with the Brumbies, um, and they're backdating that, the caps as well. So they go all the way back to prop Anna Coravada, who was Brumby number one. There's been 65 players. They had eight make their debut on the weekend, but it's great. They're going, yeah, so everyone who's ever played is going to get a cap, which is terrific. Then Tess. So some sad news for the Western Force during the week with Marcel Braki and, and Chris Heiberg not being re-signed. Um, both have been, you know, big played big roles at the Western Force, haven't they? Yeah, two guys who who have, um, you know, Heisey did two stints here. Um, he put He's one of the guys that put his hand up to come back because he loved his time here so much and he wanted to spend time here. And Marcy is, yeah, Marcy's just one of those guys who's the, the teammate that everyone wants. It's been kind of spoken about. The only person that could uh, so eloquently put 
describe Marcel's impact on on the force the last few years is probably Marcel himself, <laughs> <laughs> because he yeah he he's able to you know speak so well about those around him. But um, yeah, he's he's someone that well both of, both him and Chris are, are someone that have have either hung around or or put their hand up to come back and help rebuild the team to where it is right now, having that you know one of their best years ever. Two guys that that have won the uh, the Force Man Award, which is for the players, probably one of the most coveted awards at the awards night there. It's the guy that really shows the values and lives the values that the, that the team want to show and um, out in amongst not only the public, but in the, in the building as well. So they're going to be losing. Yeah. Two great men. And um, are they, are they going? So oh, if you, Marcy's hooking up with the American team. So w- will we see him in MLR next year? Is that, is that, is he going to, Keep I think that's the. He... I think that's that's the plan. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Um, it's just, I, I guess, it's where he ends up. Hopefully, He's with that... old glory. Not at the Giltinis. No, not at the Giltinis. No, He's not Australian, so that doesn't help him with the Giltinis. <laughs> <laughs> and what about what about Chris? Is he? Will he try and keep playing somewhere, or is he? I'm not really sure. I think. He's, he's pretty well rooted here in Perth. He's an Aussie now. Him and his wife are, are citizens. They've got an Aussie son, a young Bo, yep. who's been who was born here as well in the last six months. So he could he could be putting up roots. I think his plan might be to try and go back to or not go back to, but move over to the east coast, go to Brisbane, help the revival of the Brisbane Broncos. He'll be a mature age, state of <laughs> origin player, <laughs> and, and, and and strap the boots on there, get down to Red Hill and sort them out, get them off the bottom of the ladder. <laughs> Yeah, what a disaster that is. And then moving to the – but, yeah, those two guys sadly missed them. Well, look, we, we wish them all the very, very best because they've uh, – and, you know, especially I, I hope that Marcel has passed on the baton to someone to play his role just in terms of all the stuff that he does with the, the team song and the just the energy that that guy brings. He He's going to be sadly missed. And Heisey, obviously, a great bloke, but just Marcel is that big personality and they're hard to replace. So it'd be great if if Chris stays around. It'd be great if he can be involved with the club. It'd be great if Marcel could come back and be involved with the club when he finishes playing. The leagueies do it very well. They, they bring past players and keep them involved. And I think it's something that'd be great if the Western Force did that because they're, you know, a couple of blokes that are very valuable, I reckon, to the culture that that team's got at the moment. Um, looking ahead to the, to the Wallabies, uh, a few injury concerns. So apparently James O'Connor, He's still in camp, but he's got a neck injury and a groin injury, so he's in doubt. Matt Toomua, he's got a neck injury. He's left the camp, but they're monitoring him. And now Nick White has been ruled out for the entire series with a knee injury. So I was bagging him last week for having, you know, 500 people on camp, but maybe they're going <laughs> to need him. Well, they've obviously been doing a bit of physical work and training. Yeah. And they're dropping like flies. Survival of the fittest. Yeah. So so they're um, a couple of key Players though, aren't they? They're oh, not just, aren't they what? Who's going to play? Some... Te- so what? It's half my backline that I picked's gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lalesia will be a walk-up start for the ten jersey. Last man standing. And I know so brought in um, young Lonergan uh, from the Brumbies to to cover Nick White. So the second string nine from the Brumbies coming in to take over the first stringer. Yep. Um, so the two <laughs> Same Lonergan- with the second string hooker, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Lonergan brothers are lined up for potential Wallaby duty. And the, the French flew in the other day. Yeah. So that, that assures us that they're actually going to – is going to be a test series. They're in town. They're actually in the country. So that's yep. a good start. Have they um, named a squad the French or have they just flown a bunch of French blokes over here though as well? Uh, I think there's do we, been a bit Do we know who's here? They're going along. No, this I don't know the top, the top 14 finals this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, so they're, they're definitely not here. They're definitely top not four here. teams. I'm so guessing they, the top they four didn't teams aren't from the, They Good didn't point. bring anyone from the top two French teams in France, no. <laughs> which is no. uh, which is which is off the top of my head Toulouse and oh, geez, you're <laughs> testing me. I'm going to have to Google that one. Uh, La Rochelle, isn't it? La Rochelle. I know it's young Australian Zach Holmes is somewhere in amongst all that group. He's at oh, Toulouse. He's at yeah. Toulouse. He's been playing a bit of 10, yep. 12, and thirteen over there. Yeah, I think he MWA went, lad. He went to Aquinas, yeah. Same yep. school as Kyle Goblin. Played a bit of Australian Sevens before heading overseas, hmm. and he's yep. done very well for himself. Yeah, that's good. And then um, one thing I was reading during the week at Wallabies training, Scotty Wiseman was quoted as saying, at the end of every training day, we pick a gold, silver, and bronze as far as our best three on ground. Is that a? It's an interesting thing 
to be doing. Give a player that like a trainer of the match, and then they reckon that they because they've got their match day twenty three kind of in their heads. But they're saying if the same guys are getting on the podium that they hadn't considered, maybe they think, well, maybe we need to have a re look at some things. What do you think of that, Mitch? Geez, I would never have won one. <laughs> sure, <laughs> gold, silver, bronze training. Yeah. Oh. I think it's good to be recognised as someone who trains very hard and brings 110% to the training paddock. That was me. You then keep, then you keep everyone play. around you honest and it's <laughs> accountability and all the rest of it. But, geez, a bit disappointing if you've got a few gold medals in your pocket and you don't get picked no, up 23. Pick, yeah. It's a bit... That's a bit, a bit, bit embarrassing for everyone. Yeah, where do you go from you'd be, there? You'd be great to be able to go into Dave Rennie though, and just have. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I'm just hoping they have, they hand out medals, and you can yeah. just jingle them around and say, "Mate, what is the point of these?" Because it's um, yeah. Because I mean, yeah, it's, you it's a bit of, if it, if you don't fit into their if you if you're training well, but you don't fit into their plan, well, you're doing your job as a good trainer because you're preparing the team well for the test match. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> oh, but geez, oh, uh, why does it? Gives me that participation certificate sense. About that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just that generation, is it? <laughs> yeah, we just want to acknowledge. We just want to give you a bit of kit and acknowledge you with a, a gold or a silver, or bronze medal for just being here, guys. Yeah, I'd love. To, and the, I'd love to know how they grade it as well. Are they giving it to the guy that wins that fifty sprint? Are they giving it to the guy that you know that's cooked the you know the big prop at the back who's I might look Given at the good stats the, on the GPS stats. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Dear, so the GPS crazy. is picking it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, who knows? So that's interesting. That's yeah. going on. Um, World Rugby, they're set to approve the 50-22 kick and the goal line dropout in all competitions from August 1. But the one thing they haven't adopted is that 20-minute red card. So and I reckon that 20-minute red card has been great, but that's the yeah, one I that they've, good. they've ignored that one. Well, what I liked about the 20-minute red card, Mickey, is that it encouraged, like, the referees have had to be brave enough to pull one out and just do it and just go, you know what, it's a red card. It is what it is. Deal with it. Yep. Um, yeah, the other two ones I think are no-brainers. I think they've worked pretty well. The line out, the, the goal line dropouts and the 50-22s have worked perfectly fine in rugby, mm. and I think they're, they're good innovations. I don't understand the red card one, and they're trying to crack down on the whole head thing. What about you, Heath? Yeah, well, I mean, it. it I, I don't under, Yeah, I don't get it either. I, I think they are if they want to crack it down, but they need to keep the game open and and as still as equal. Like they need to keep that that twenty minute red card so they can bring guys back out there. As far as I'm concerned, and it, it has had success. It's kept games competitive. Yeah. Um, maybe we were hoping for a few more red cards during the uh, Trans Tasman competition to help, help keep us evened out, but it was. I, I, it's it's worked perfectly well. I don't I don't understand their their reasoning behind it. It's a, I don't know, a sl- the the Northern Hemisphere rugby games. They're just not interested in opening games up and and keeping them flying as much. So there's you know there's no there's no reason for them to want to change it. I'm actually surprised that they they adopted that um, the the dropout rule. Like it's a yeah. pleasant surprise to hear that they've they've there's any opportunity for them to get another scrum up there is yep. yeah, especially <laughs> for. Especially for the Northern Hemisphere teams, hey, hey. they love the they love just repetitive scrums. Yeah, five meter scrum, five meters, get held yeah. up, have another one. Thanks. Yep, yep. let's dig go a hole in the one. ditch here. Let's walk five yep. meters to the right. Go again. Yep. And then um, my last little thing in the mailbag, Nike. There was a lot of fanfare about them sponsoring Fiji, which is fantastic. So they've launched the new Sevens jersey, and the marketing department have got their fingerprints all over them. Oh no, there's. Black stripes yes. and, and blue and all sorts of things. People are raving about what a great looking jersey thing. It's all about it's it's like US basketball. It's just this flashy. It's a flashy thing. I love that just traditional white jersey. I don't know why they've gone away yeah, from that. A little but, bit of black on it, the palm yeah, trees. But, yeah. but no, Nike's got involved. So, oh no, another jersey. Is this, for the, is this for the Olympics? It'll be for the Olympics, yeah. And then they'll so they'll have their figures yeah. over the fifteen one as well. So the Oceana Sevens kicks off this weekend, Mickey. So the Aussies and the Fijians, the Kiwis, everyone's going to be kicking around this weekend over the weekend for the Oceana Sevens. Where's that being played? uh, That's a very good question. I'll have to look that up, but it is televised on stand. Yep. Um, I wonder if the Fijians will be kicking around the new kit in the Oceana Sevens. Yeah, I think they were. I think they were going to give it. Oh, yeah, I don't know. don't know. I think they might be. I think Nike'd want it out there. Oh, what so. is it? There's lightning bolts and everything on it. Yeah. 
it's you know it's marketing marketing people have just oh. ruined another jersey. I mean, look, look. If it wasn't the Fiji jersey, it's not a bad looking jersey, but it's the Fiji jersey, and yeah, and it's I don't very like distinct. it. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, everyone's going to love it, but because they're going to score a thousand points, yeah, correct. It's <laughs> going to be on it. Right. Yeah. And Nike's going to see gold medals hanging off the back yeah. top of their jersey. Oh, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's not a bad-looking strip, but it's not the Fijian strip. So, yeah, Talking to sevens. Oh, yeah. there it is. Yeah, we'll have a quick look at it. Oh, it's yeah, at first glance, yeah, it's not. It's, it's all right, horrible, but, but it's, it's not, not Fiji. Fiji jersey. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. not Fiji. So you're like mm. you had the all-black one with it was, you know, black with some white stripes so, and like blue through silver. it. Silver. Like yeah. Silver. You know, <laughs> ridiculous. And they brought out the silver one. You just go, why are you wearing silver? Yeah, why are you wearing silver? Yeah. Yeah, um, but talking of sevens, you see the Irish claimed the last spot for the Olympics ahead of France. They beat France in the final of the other oh, last really? weekend. Yeah, wow. yeah, that was that was a that was like a wow mm. moment. Going, oh my god, the Irish have just qualified for the Olympics. They've been in sort of the 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 sevens. What would you call it? Abyss. Yep. For, I, in I purgatory. Yep. Yeah, purgatory. And then they've just come from nowhere and picked a, um, a jet team and they've got through the the, the last possible tournament oh, yeah. that you can play in that you had to win to qualify. To qualify they got it. it and they and they beat the Froggies. So the Froggies are out of the Olympics. Jeez. Irish are in. Wow. Um, yeah, so look out. That was that's a real big. big turn up for two Mickey. That's Don't big. want to trump your mailbag, but no, that was worthy, a biggie. That's that's worthy of a mixed mailbag mention. Yep, very much so. And then in uh club rugby on the weekend, Mitch, you were up in sunny Darwin <sighs> when it was all going yeah, on. It was a, it was all happening, but I was tracking the um, the UWA Soaks game. Yeah, good. Uh, the ladies' day down there, a good crowd and a good result for the university boys. Oh, yeah. Kept the Soaks boys scoreless as well. 34 points to three. You need to have a Soaks. So, and big, everyone big was win. talking up Soaks to say, oh, you know, you won't have it all their way. But it was, um, it was a great performance. Um, young Harry Scoble, Rusty, got a double. Um, oh, the double yep. source. Yeah, Lovely. so the the ranger, he, he was all over it. He was up and about. So, um, the how many of them were more tries? Uh probably both. <laughs> <laughs> skipper Benny Taylor crossed, and of course Connor O'Sullivan, who's a regular try scorer, also crossed the yeah the chalk. And Caleb Young had another good day with a boot. The other results, Mickey. The other big turnout was Wanneroo absolutely giving a, a hiding to Kalamunda, fifty three to twenty six. Um, there are tries are plenty up there, and everyone was uh, very surprised about that. Um, Cottesloe didn't have it all their way over Perth Bayswater, twenty-seven to eight. Um, Netties, look out! Netties are on a bit of a roll, sixty-three <laughs> points to sixteen over oh, Southern Lions. So, so we, it, it was against Southern Lions, and we had Curtin the week before. So let's You're see where the roll's at. On a roll. <laughs> we'll see where the roll's at this weekend against West Coast. I, I don't want to give you a jinx or anything, but you know, I think we could talk <laughs> Netherlands up as much as we like. This one Here time. we go. Yeah, that's, that's definitely because you want to jinx us. Uh, Pally, massive win over Arc 69-7. So these big wins are starting to come a bit more week in, yeah. week out now, which is a bit disappointing. And on that note, West Scarborough, 88 points to 10 over Curtin Uni. Wow. Um, yeah, that's getting embarrassing. How, how far How far into the comp are we? we There's three games in left in the first round. round. Okay. And it's after yeah, after that, then they split it? Yep. They split it? Yep. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. June Lup had a win. So that means the latter. In, oh, uni on their own? Oh, no. Uni and Nettie's still up there? Uni and uni number one. one, two, 39 points apiece. When's one that game? Clear. Oh, next week. Two, Two weeks, weeks not is it? This week. Yep, it's all happening. Ooh. So the big games this week are going to be um, UWA taking on Palmyra at the library. Yep. Which is where you and I will be. Yes. Um, and then West Scarborough are hosting Nettie's at Bennett Park. That's a huge game. It is a big one, game. yeah. And hey, Tessman, thoughts thoughts on that? Quick preview. Will we see you starting? No, no, I will let the boys let the boys play. I'll be, oh, you've had I'll be around here to prepare for this game. Yeah, I'll be around. Oh, they're saving it for uni. <laughs> I'll be there on the sideline, boots on. Don't worry about that. Well, that's. I mean, the other big one this week is probably the Wanneroo Soaks game. Is probably going to have a big bearing in the competition. The rest of them are all going to be pretty much one-sided affairs. Or what's that? What's the top six, Mitchy? Well, the top six is Uni Nettie's, West Scarborough Pally. So they're all playing. So they're all playing this, week. this weekend. Yeah. Okay. Wanneroo, Cottesloe, Calamunda, Soaks. 
for the next four. So okay. yeah. So so what was it that um, that Wanneroo and and Soaks game will have a big yeah. bearing leading into that top six. Yeah, because Soaks are going to really struggle to make the top eight at the moment. The way they're going. Why well, are you smiling? Really since their their Colts gave Uni a hiding on the weekend, I think it was 80, yeah. 82 nil or eighty eight nil or something or other. Yeah, Soaks Colts are always really good. All those young blokes coming out of, of the private school system. Yeah, into a lot a, of Scotch kids in that first yep. to, in the Colts this year. And then um, Tess, anything happening up in sunny Bris Vegas? Over in yeah, over in Brisney Land, the uh, the competition keeps kicking on nicely. Oh, well, I'll start with the heavies because I finish with them every week. But UQ, that that juggernaut just keeps rolling 56-21 over the top of Souths. Uh, Jeeps got the job done pretty comfortably too against North 58-17. The Western Bulldogs, they were looking to, to, re, to revisit their early round win over the Filth brothers at home. But this time the Filth got up 37-12. And down at Tigerland, Mitchie, the Tigers are on a roll. Is that two or three straight now? I think that's three, three straight. Two, three, three, straight. three straight now. Yep. With a good win they, over Bond. Yep. They, getting um, back out there. They had 20 minutes off the bench. Yep. Then they're, they're looking. They've got a number of players back in the fold. Saru Iru was the man of the match in that game, I believe. Liam Wright kicked around as well. Uh, Richie Asiata. And I think they've got uh, Van Neck from the Melbourne Rebels back with the team this week. So the Tigers are looking yeah. to string oh, it So they're together. just one of those teams that just relies on their super players. Yeah. Well, it's nice oh. that all those super rugby players are playing club <laughs> rugby, Heath. <laughs> we'll, see how, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks and how much impact. Meanwhile, Sydney University completely dominating the shoot shield. The less said about that, the better, I think, Nikki, because... We don't really like Sydney that much. But See the wildfire. The wildfires beat Manly. I know they're going great guns. The wildfires. We like them. They're actually going to come up against Gordon this week, so that'll be an interesting little um, contest there. That might be worth a look on stand to have a look at the Gordon go against uh, the wildfires. Um, there's probably no other real picks of the games. Eastwood Manly. That'll be reasonably good. Oh, Ramick v Norse. That'll be a good game. Yeah, that'll be goody. Um, and have a bit of an impact on on where things finish with the shoot shield. But and have you got the ladder? Do you, do you know the We ladder? don't want to talk about too much about the shoot shield. We keep getting criticised. I know. Hold off. Shoot shield. Have, have you got the ladder there quickly? Yeah, yeah. Uni on top, 45. Northern Suburbs on second, 39. East, then Eastwood, Ringer and Gordon round out the six. So, um, and then just outside is Ramwick and Southern, Southern Districts, um, unfortunately, at the bottom. Western Sydney, Penrith and Manly, the bottom three. Wow. Mm. There you go. Got to pump up. We've got to pump up the beasties as well. Eight, down 18-0 at halftime against West Harbour and coming back for a 28-18 victory. So a big oh, second half big there. Big second half. The voice from the east. Jeez. Except supposedly it was just sleeting, raining, <laughs> oh, side-paced really? wind. Yeah. yeah, okay. So whoever uh, had the wind got the points. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Like playing down at Cottesloe with the breezes in. <laughs> That's it. And Major League Rugby. Now, we're going to try and get Mark Gerard on in the coming weeks. We've, we've tasked Heath to tee up Mark um, so that we can do a bit of a, a, a preview of how things are going there because it's uh, it's getting closer and closer towards the pointing of the season there. So it would be good to have a an in-depth dive into Major League Rugby because it's sort of floating along a little bit at the moment unless yep. um, you've got anything to add to that, Heath. No, well, we just it would be good to get the... Um... It'd be good to get an opinion from another Gill, the other Gills. Everyone talks about the Giltinis and the, the big boys coming out of LA with their beautiful white and hot pink outfits, having their bye weeks down in Mexico and all that excellent stuff <laughs> like that. What about the other boys, the other Gills over in Austin? Yeah. So we'll, we'll try and tee up Mark uh, as soon as possible. He's over there coaching them and, um, yeah, get his take on, on everything MLR. Maybe we'll get him to talk about the Giltinis. Because <laughs> he's enjoying it, we've got a couple of weeks because we're having a bit of a break, are we? Yeah, we're going to. We'll probably reconvene, <laughs> I reckon, around Wallaby Test match time. I reckon. Yeah, we'll all, the, all the meetings for this podcast are on air. Listen, yeah, so. we'll do a. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a couple of Test match specials um, throughout. So you know, we're always keen for any of your feedback. You can send your feedback at any time on the Facebook page, the Rugby Rap, and also Rugby underscore Rap on Twitter. But I think that's, that'll probably wrap us up for the Super Rugby AU Trans-Tasman season. It's been, a, it's been a good one. 
And Mickey, I believe you've got a poem there to finish us off with, which, well, we can which either quietly, quietly reflects on the Waratah season. <laughs> yes, it does. We can either finish with a with a poem or a song, or I can just tag the song on at the end. Ah, uh, tag the song on at the end. All right. all right. So this is this is yeah. So one of the great great holiday destinations in in Perth, as we all know, is Rottnest Island, and uh, I went across there as a as a as a young man when I first got here, and I. <laughs> It was. I remember it was Christmas time, and I'd been on a I'd been on a boat, and it was so it was Boxing Day, so everyone had eaten a whole lot of food on the uh, for Christmas, and and obviously when you eat a lot of food, that that's got to come out at some stage. And and I was I was on this boat, and I I needed to you know use the toilet to its full capacity, but I thought I won't do it on the boat because that's probably not fair on everyone else. So I got the dinghy, you know, and I went across to the um, to the Rottnest Island Hotel, and so this is this is a story that. Is an absolutely true story. So I felt my insides getting tight. I knew my time had come. I had to answer nature's call and give my bowels a run. I had to get myself to shore and find a place to poo. The tiny toilet on that boat just simply wouldn't do. So I took the rubber dinghy and I landed on the beach. A place to sit and do my thing was now within my reach. I briskly walked into the pub and found the nearest gents. And that, my friends, is where this story really does commence. I strolled into a cubicle and naturally looked down, only to be greeted by this monster floating round. It was the biggest thing I'd seen of that, there is no doubt. My only question still remains, how did he get it out? It must have been 10 inches long, a good three inches wide, with lumps like bulging muscles running up and down its sides. It was a dark and nasty beast, a poo that had no fear, born of Christmas pudding and a constant flow of beer. A Guinness Book of Records poo upon the verge of fame. If I was present at its birth, I'd had given it a name. A poo that made its owner proud, a poo you wished was yours. A poo that got what it deserved, a heartfelt round of applause. But then I faced the great conundrum. What was I to do? What fate would befall this mighty, massive, monstrous poo? Leaving it trapped in that bowl did not seem right to me. So I reached up and I pulled the chain and set the bastard free. So that was my poo story at Rottnest Island. <laughs> One of the best. One of the best. Top shelf. And on so, that high positive note. Yep. On that high positive note, we'll leave you with a song. So, Mitch, Tess, it's been a terrific season again. I look forward to speaking to you blokes over the test season. Yep. Looking forward to the Wallaby season. Been great having you, Tess. And Enjoy Tess, we'll look, we'll look forward to seeing you. Are you at the library when you play uni or down at Nettie's? Oh, come on. Down at well, just one game at a time, you know. Down at Nettie's next week. All right. Let's just take it one game. We've already Nettie's. lined it up. It's down at Nettie's and it's Ladies' Day down there. So, of course, he's going to be playing. Oh, of course, he's going to be playing. We'll have to get a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a big day. And to all the listeners, thanks very much for tuning in and listening to our banter. We do appreciate it. It's been great to have your company, and we look forward to the next time you join us on the Rugby Wrap. When your wife is looking glamorous And you're feeling kind of amorous And you say, I'd really like to make love to you When she tells you that there is no way Because you did it yesterday You'll have to wait a month, not one day sooner Have a scoop have a schooner Have a schooner Have a schooner When you take yourself down to the track Cause you're trying to win some money back And you think one bet on an outsider will do ya You whack 500 on the nose And wait to see how well it goes But it runs just like it's in a drunken stupor Have a schooner Have a schooner Have a schooner School, 
Meeting girls is hard to do. They don't want to go out with you, but they say you've got a lovely sense of humor. When you finally go on a date, but she'd rather be with your best mate. 